Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. to the Denver Stiff Show. I am your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. It is Thursday night as we get into our general weekly recording of the Denver Stiff Show, and I am joined this week by one of my best friends, one of my one of my favorite people in the world, Deputy Site Manager Zach Bikosh. Zach, how are you doing, man? I am doing well, Ryan. You are, uh, you are far too kind. I don't know about one of the best people in the world, but hey, I'll take it, man. Oh hey, I mean, you're the only one who talks to me every day, so that's hey, that's a high bar. <laughs> you know, it's 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 uh, Martin Luther King, Mahatma Gandhi, and then psh, Zach Mikosh. Oh, <laughs> I wasn't. I definitely wasn't calling you. Uh, <laughs> there's, you're you're not the best person in the world. You're one of my favorite people oh. in the world. But, yeah. <laughs> so so what you're actually saying, you're like yeah, Zach, you're actually totally trash. But sometimes I get into that. So, <laughs> <laughs> but you're my trash. It's it's right. fine. <laughs> uh, I, I said to you that I was going to tease something be, before that I thought you'd get a kick out of. Have you ever, ever heard of the game Among Us? I have. I so like you know I'm on Reddit, so I, I I'm familiar that this is something that's going on that that's quite the craze. But I've never actually played it before. I don't understand what's actually going on. I just see a lot of memes about it. It it seems to have taken over the internet over the past few weeks and and it was popular before that don't get me wrong but once alexandria ocasio cortez decided she wanted to hop on a game like that, that really started to make this thing go mainstream so i thought i thought that was really funny and i think that that is something that the denver stiff staff should play or members of denver nuggets media or something like that and we should uh we should stream it for the audience for for off-season content hey man any like this is this is essentially the Right now we're in, I guess, is th- there is no precedent for this. Because usually right after the season ends, we're like immediately, the, like the draft is the next week. And then right after that, it's free right. agency. So yeah, we've got this uh, weird sort of lull right now. So any off-season content we can generate, um, I, th- I say we should do it. So I'm all in. It'll be fun. I'm, I want to try and set that up. We've been trying to set up something with the stiff staff for a while. So maybe we, uh, maybe we, maybe we try to do something uh Something like that. That'll be that'll be pretty creative and cool. Yeah, um, we uh we just we're, we got to figure out how to be more coordinated. I think. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's it's hard with the offseason. Like like especially given the the length of time that uh, we spent covering the Nuggets in the bubble, and right. I never expected this team to get to the Western Conference Finals given where they started, and I I was. They kept they kept surprising and they kept advancing and it was very cool but it was also exhausting and I'm sure everybody was feeling that so we've uh we've been trying to go easy on everybody for for the last couple weeks just to keep everything clear but I think we sh- we should come back together that'll be a good good bonding activity for sure I'm with you let's do it 
Um, speaking of stiffs, uh, the Denver Nuggets and Chronicy Sports Entertainment have uh, decided to rename their arena the Ball Arena. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Where is he going with this? <laughs> oh, all right, yeah. <laughs> uh, your thoughts, sir? <laughs> Um, yeah, unfortunate name choice. Uh, like uh, we were kind of talking before the pod, um, I don't think I don't think the Crockies had much you know say in it other than who's gonna who's gonna pay us the most. They already had one place called Dicks, so they got one place called yeah, Ball. Yeah, they got it's, Dicks, you know, Balls, and we're the Stiffs. Like it's, it, it, honestly, <laughs> I feel like we're just now meant to be there, right? Like the, this the is... innuendo is is strong in this. In this sphere, yeah, you know, I mean, it's great. The uh, you know the Nuggets uh, play with balls; they uh, they handle balls quite well. So why not? It, it made really um, it fits. <laughs> yeah, this is uh, we're we're gonna have to change the maturity level of this uh, of this <laughs> this podcast for sure. Uh, is, you know, when I saw it, I thought to myself, anybody who listens to Altitude Radio will will, will definitely um, probably get where I'm. Coming from with this, but I, when I saw that that was the name change, I was like, "There is no person happier in the world right now than Nate Kreckman. Like that guy <laughs> is going to have uh, the number of puns about the male genitalia that this guy's going to get off about the arena are going to be uh, quite numerous." So, yeah, it's uh, you know, listen, we're not we're not doing anything that 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 the pros aren't doing, okay? Yeah, and and this is like we're we're just having fun with it. But the the basic news is that uh, KSE they signed a new deal with the Ball Corporation, uh, it, taking over the naming rights from Pepsi sets or from Pepsi in order to rename the arena. And and they're doing some various things with the entire KSE family, but the main arena being renamed is the Pepsi Center. And so they they're changing it to the Ball Arena. That they have advertised this across social media all throughout today uh it was a big surprise this wasn't really anything that was leaked or or nothing that was uh it was kind of given <laughs> other than by our own moderator but <laughs> yeah. yeah actually that's that's true that's true uh we 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 kind of we kind of had an inside scoop on it but uh i i'm i'm interested to see what they do i i'm curious your take on the Nuggets have been notoriously bad, and KSE has been notoriously bad about paying for things that are outside of the organization and outside of what's actually on the floor. Uh, does this change that in any way? Not at all. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that's gonna, that would be my take on that. Not at all. If they uh, stand to make more money uh, from this naming rights deal than they were getting from Pepsi, and we don't know, we don't really know what the change um what, what, you know, made the change occur. I do know, and, and we've been, a, a number of people have reported this, that um, this has been in the works for a long time, and then the pandemic happening kind of put everything on a little bit of a pause, um, but that this was this was a deal done, you know, early in 2020. What we don't know, though, is was this, uh, was this a deal that, you know, Pepsi, did Pepsi walk away from the naming rights deal? Did they not want to renew that contract did they just get outbid you know that that part we don't know so assuming uh, let, let's just assume that that ball um ended up you know paying more than, than pepsi was willing to pay and there's going to be an increase in revenue for Cronky sports uh enterprises with this with this deal i assume that goes into the pockets of the shareholders uh of Cronky sports more than it does go gets reinvested into uh, you know, into the Nuggets or the Avalanche or or, or anyone of that um, 
under this this massive umbrella, the Rams, you know, the Arsenal. Because that's the thing. Like, it's it's not like it, if it was just the Nuggets and the Avalanche, and it was just this one stadium. Like, maybe you could see how uh, there should be maybe some direct correlation in into them getting sure some more money. But this is this is you know like a, a deal across all of the Cronky umbrella. So um, I don't know that it's actually going to have any noticeable effect on their approach to. Uh, to spending now, if you believe what Tim Connolly says, though they've never had any uh, qualms with spending before, so yeah, we're gonna we're gonna find that out real quick. I'm uh, <laughs> I I don't know if this team is willing to pay the tax. I don't know if this team is willing to spend for a G League organization or a practice we'll, facility. Right, we're uh, gonna find out. Are they gonna put their balls on the table or not? Yeah, hey, this is uh, <laughs> this is a perfect time to really put your balls on the table uh, to really establish yourself and like i mean i i can't imagine that, that that they're actually going to do anything though given the effects of covid given the effects of the pandemic and not having people in the actual arenas i i yeah. I, I i'm not surprised that if it was pepsi that walked away from something like this i i i kind of get it i kind of yeah. get not wanting to invest in that for a stadium or an arena that isn't going to be filled well, and even before when it was filled, I mean, how long did it take for the Broncos to get naming rights on their stadium? You know, it's yeah. Um, I think it's something that just in general, you know, businesses are looking at and like, is this is this really worth the the amount of money that comes out of our marketing budget to do? You know, so uh, because I mean, let, let me, I mean, have you do you, do you know what Invesco does? Uh, no. Do you know what Empower does? Yes, I do know what oh, Empower see? does. Hey, there you go. See, I think <laughs> oh, they like retirement advisors. I think actually, or something. Yeah, like I was, that. I was, yeah, that's that's basically it. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, obviously, everybody knows what Pepsi does and what Coors does. Um, but that, but that's because those were our household brands and names that you already know. Like, I don't think there there's so many stadiums out there that that have names. I've always wondered this. I'm like, who like who looks at the name of a of of uh, on the side of a stadium and says, ah, you know what? I'm gonna go buy their product. Like, it, I, I can't. To me, I and I always wonder this. And and there's probably marketing. It'd be interesting to pick Mike Olson's brain on what he thought about this. Um, but like, I I don't I don't understand those sort of things for marketing. I always feel like it's something like that we get that that marketing people get in their heads that it's a good idea, and so they all kind of agree it's a good idea, but. And and it's very hard, I think, to actually like you know quantify or capture the the effect that it has. Um, but I yeah, know, so I'm like, actually, man, actually, as, in this. as somebody who who did study sport management, I can actually say that that one of the reasons that companies do that is is for the goal of impressions and for the goal of actually having a person say that name multiple times and an impression giving an impression on their brain and on the people around them and as many times as possible because the more times you say it the more times it's it's ingrained into your brain as a possibility to buy that product uh now it it's still like that's that that might be the difference between making five percent and six percent and I don't know. I don't know what the ultimate goal is there from a dollars perspective. That's that's one of the the uh, gray areas in terms of the marketing schemes here. But I, I can imagine that Ball Arena and and Ball Corporation that they are going to be using this as a ploy, not a ploy, but like a marketing tactic in order to get more people talking about them as opposed to talking about like like because who, who wouldn't want to talk about ball arena right now who this, <laughs> that name is going to be in the mouth of everybody balls are going to be in the mouth of everybody for a long time <laughs> with this arena 
<laughs> this is by hands down the wildest podcast we've ever done. I wish we I still may literally did put a disclaimer. I, I may put a disclaimer at the beginning of this podcast to skip for, through the first 12 right. minutes if you Excessive don't want to hear ball related humor. Will be happening. Yeah, I was like, you know, we haven't really been doing the little snippets anymore. Man, maybe we should do one for this. With no no description whatsoever of the uh, of the podcast, just That's just a funny. snippet about balls and gonna be in people's mouths <laughs> frequently. I love. It. Okay, okay, here we go. Uh, <laughs> let's take a break. When we come back, there was a an actual rumor that came out about Drew Holiday to the Nuggets that I do want to discuss. That I think deserves mention. We'll be right back. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. back Denver Stiff Show Ryan Blackburn joined by Zach Mikosh here where we had a really good time with that first segment and and we'll we'll see how that goes over with our audience uh but I'm uh I'm actually looking forward to the comments for sure um Zach let's talk about Drew Holiday because I saw this rumor last night and I'm surprised it wasn't made more mention of uh Vincent Goodwill of Yahoo he reported that there were 10 teams that were checking in on the status of Drew Holiday but the only team that was named by name was the Nuggets that they were, uh, their interest was hot. Like, like they, they were really curious about whether they could get a guy like Drew Holiday and what the price tag would be. And I think the notable part of this is that Vincent Goodwill reported the Bulls' interest of Arturis Karnasovas as the leading candidate. That was probably more of a connection from the Bulls' side of things, but it's very possible that he's connected with somebody with the Nuggets too. So, sure. my question to you is when you first saw the report, what were your thoughts? Um, my, my, I, I guess like that the, they back up kind of what we've been hearing. You know, I've um, I've been told by by a person who has connections with the the Pelicans front office that um, you know that, that he he's been told that the Nuggets are quote unquote all in on getting Drew Holiday this off season. So th- this kind of like that was like yep. So it makes sense that, that for them to be the team that's named and for them to say you know indicate that there's a lot of interest there. I um. I, I, it feels, I've said this before, it feels sort of like, uh, Paul Millsap did before he came to Denver, where everybody knew Denver was going after Paul Millsap. Everybody knew that they wanted him on his, on, on their team. They just didn't have the opportunity quite to get the right deal done. Uh, end up signing him in free agency. That's when they get their opportunity. But, uh, now it just feels like Drew Holiday. Like, it feels like the Nuggets have been chasing Drew Holiday for two years. And, and it feels like the timing is right this offseason for that trade to happen. The question is, do the Nuggets have the assets to outbid uh, some of the other the other nine teams, whoever they may, may are? I think we can be pretty confident one of them is the Brooklyn Nets. There's been a lot of rumors uh, about their interest in Drew Holiday as well. So um, do they have a uh, – can they put together a package that is going to be more enticing than those nine other teams? That I'm not as confident in. 
Yeah, especially if they're going to take certain players off the table that that would be considered centerpieces of a deal. Uh, it was also reported that Michael Porter Jr. was considered untouchable, and for good reason. But there are other players that aren't considered untouchable. I'm just not sure. Like you said, it's very possible that the Nuggets don't have enough value to send back their way, to send the Pelicans if, if they really want to get this thing done. Uh, that's something right. I talked about in, in, in Tuesday's podcast, I think, uh, uh, Nuggets numbers, that it, it's very possible that given Denver's trade assets – that they they really don't have enough. So yeah, what, and that's not to think? say. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, well, you go ahead. Well, what, what I was going to say is, that, and that's not to say that you know, if you come up with a package that's uh, probably going to be something like a Gary Harris and Will Barton and a first, right? I think that's kind of the package that everybody, everybody seemingly wants to land on when they talk about trading for Drew Holiday. And that's not to say that that's not um, fair value. I think it's decent value for Drew Holiday. I think it, it depends on how you really feel about Gary Harris more than anything. Uh, but what it is to say is that the Nuggets are a young team with a young roster and have a lot of time uh, still to go in terms of their championship window being opening or being open. So they're not going to be as desperate as maybe a team like a Brooklyn who knows, hey, Kevin Durant, I mean, how many more good years does Kevin Durant have in him? And, you know, we, we need to make an impression, uh, obviously, with Kyrie Irving as well right away and, and show that this is working. So is, is a team like that willing to maybe overpay just to get Drew Holiday in because, you know, I mean, the package that was rumored from the Nets is Jared Allen, Spencer Dinwiddie, I, I don't, Musa, you know, Design. I don't know how to pronounce the guy's it's, name. It's like, it's, I think it's Zan and Musa, but the point Zan is, is that it, the, the base of that package is Spencer Dinwiddie, Jared Allen, maybe they threw first. Karis LeVert in yeah. there instead of Spencer Dinwiddie, like, they're, there yeah. are some pretty good players that the that the Nets may be able to throw New Orleans' way. Right. And and I think that that's that that's a big problem if you're on the Nuggets side of things. Yeah, so if you're talking if you're talking Zana Musa, um Jared Allen, Karis Levert in a first, the Nuggets don't have a package that's better than that. They don't. I mean, like that you would at least me, Zach Mikosh, the the GM on NBA two K twenty one, is going to take that deal over Gary Harris, Will Barton in a first ten times out of ten. So like that is what I think is, is the biggest concern for – should be the biggest concern for the Nuggets and Nuggets fans if they want Drew Holiday is like you're going to – like you can't you can't expect to just be – I've seen people say, well, oh, the Nuggets should just wait it out and then wait to the trade deadline and they'll offer Gary Harrison a first. And it's like, well, yeah, you can do that, but that you're not going to get – you're not going to outbid other teams with Gary Harrison a first. It's just, it's just not the way it works, so – Sure. They're going to have to. I mean, they're, they're, that's that's I think their their biggest risk. But I, it doesn't surprise me at all that they're interested. Like I said, I mean, we I think we've known this for some time, um, and so that it's sort of the report's sort of conf- confirmation of that. Now, what we also know though um, is that it, there's all kinds of you know there's all kinds of rumors out there right now, and and a lot of them are going to not have a ton of factual basis and some of them are but you're never the the teams that are involved in those rumors are never going to admit to it or, or speak to it at all so um you know i mean i, I think i saw the way kevin pritchard just came out and said with indiana that he's like oh yeah no i uh, uh victor oladipo hasn't said anything to me about wanting to be traded and it's like okay dude like, like we get it like you're not you're not gonna <laughs> come out right out and say yeah this guy totally came to my office and told me that he wants out but like you know or remember remember last year 
Um, there was quote unquote, like, you know, or there was like, there was the rumor that came out that Chris Paul was unhappy in Houston. And then he like tweeted something out with a picture of him and Daryl Morey. Like, oh, apparently I'm beefing with this guy. Ha ha. See, there's no yeah. truth to that rumor. And then he gets <laughs> traded like a week later. So it's like, yeah, he didn't, t- he didn't take a picture with James Harden though. Like, like yeah. if, if he should, he should have taken a picture with James Harden and said, Hey, we aren't beefing. Uh, unfortunately that's exactly what it was. And that those guys didn't like each other. Like there, this, this goes on all the time. Like you said, there, there's, this posturing there's this this playing coy in terms of what's actually going to happen it's like it's like anthony davis saying i don't know what i'm going to do in free agency and then he resigns with the lakers for the max like right. yeah that's that's probably going to happen i think we can all guess that but i'm with you man that this this is uh we've talked about drew holiday a lot before like i think he's a perfect fit for this team i think if you're if you're building an ideal starting lineup for the nuggets around jamal murray michael porter jr and nikola Jokic, it includes jeremy grant and drew holiday like drew holiday is a guy who takes on the primary guard assignment jeremy grant is the guy takes on the primary forward assignment they they don't need the ball in their hands to be effective on both ends of the floor they can space the floor they can cut they can play defense they can they don't need the ball all the time in order to in order to be effective and that's what you but, need in terms of guys who play around Murray Porter and Jokic going forward. And the other thing about Drew Holiday is, but he also can be very effective with the ball in his hands and can set up other people, which me- lets you allows you to play Jamal Murray off ball, who's flat out deadly, you know. And, and along with, especially when he when you got Jamal Murray, Nikola Jokic, and Michael Porter Jr. as as options for Drew Holiday to distribute to, like that's. Sure. It's, it's incredibly, yeah, it's, how do you cover it? So yeah, it, yeah I, I'm with you. I mean, it'd be nice if Drew Holiday was like six, seven, like that, I think would be like the ideal player. But if he is, he's probably uh, not, I mean, maybe he's not a guy you, you can procure <laughs> he, he as looks easily. more. He looks more like Kawhi Leonard if he's six, yeah, seven, right, than he does right, Drew exactly. Holiday. Exactly. Uh, in which case, yeah, I'm, I'm totally with you. Um, I think that Nuggets fans get a little bit too tied up with their young pieces. Oh, other than so Michael much. Porter Jr., uh, in in this case, I I think they're I think the Nuggets are right to put Michael Porter Jr. off the table. I think that that is correct, and and they should consider him untouchable because we've seen generational scoring talent with him. Do you agree with that? Yeah, oh, I agree. I don't think you uh, you know when I wrote the the trade article that I had probably about two weeks ago, I said you know I said there's maybe a one percent chance that Michael Porter Jr. Uh, would get traded, and and the comment I made was like if you're if Giannis wants to come to Denver, then like, yeah, you put Michael Porter Jr. in that package. Um, but outside yep. of that, you know, I even said, you know, I, I kind of I put him in the Bradley Beal package that I proposed. You know, basically, but my my argument was similar thing to what we've been talking about with Drew Holiday. It's not necessarily that like, hey, we need to give up Michael Porter Jr. in order to get Bradley Beal. No, it's you're going to have to give up Michael Porter Jr. to beat other offers that the Wizards would get for Bradley Beal. So... That was why I made that proposal. But I even said in there, I was like, I don't think this is going to happen because the, the fact of the matter is, is you don't, you, Michael Porter Jr., like the difference between Michael Porter Jr. and Bradley Peel in a lot of ways on offense is, is simply a matter of usage in minutes. So like it's, it, there's, there's very, very few people. And when you think about that, I mean, Bradley Beal is the second, second leading scorer in the NBA last year. Um, there's very, very few people who can replicate what he does on the offensive end and, those people are not available in trades. So there's not much reason to see him get moved for anybody else. And, and it doesn't surprise me that, you know, Brian Windhorst came out and said that like, you know, 
the Nuggets have basically had to nonstop keep telling people, no, we're not trading him because I'm sure every single team who calls the Nuggets uh, about a trade, like, like they all understand, every team in the NBA understands the Nuggets are not going to trade Jamal Murray or Nikola Jokic, like, clearly. Uh, but so the, of course, the first guy they're going to ask you about is Michael Porter Jr. because sure. he's someone you can sell to your fan base as a potential future star. He is a potential future star. And he's a guy who's got a ton of time still left. He's still on a rookie deal. You know, like he, he's the typical young, bright prospect that goes, gets involved in a star trade. But the fact of the matter is, is we're talking about a guy who it's like trading you know, one of the absolute top, top prospects for um, for a star if you're going to make that deal happen. And that rarely happens as well. Like you go back through all the all the different star trades over uh, over the course of, you know, the past decade or so past two decades. Most of them did not involve a guy who is essentially a top five, you know, young prospect um, in the NBA, unless, you know, I, I guess if you were a big Anthony Bennett booster back in the day, or I mean, not Anthony Bennett, it was Andrew Wiggins. Like, you know, that would, that's the one guy I can think of, um, who, yeah, at the time, maybe people considered him to be, um, one of, one of us top prospects in the league. And he got traded, uh, obviously even before he played a game, um, for the Cleveland Cavaliers. But that the other difference there is like, that was for LeBron James was behind that. Right. So like, yeah, if, if, sure. if, if the, Lakers had Michael Porter Jr. and LeBron said, I want to trade him for a veteran star guy like a Kevin Love right now. Then like, yeah, they probably do that. But outside of something like that, you don't trade a a person with a ceiling as high as Michael Porter Jr.'s for anything other than a top five player in the league. And those guys, there's none of those guys that are going to be traded right now. I'm with you, man. When you, when you look around the league, around teams that are willing to make those kinds of deals. I see Michael Porter Jr. as the blue chip prospect in in a in a package like that. There's nobody better than him that teams could realistically talk themselves into, okay, this guy could be the centerpiece of our star package. I I'm I'm very much there. Um but I'm also at the point where the Nuggets are right to say that he's untouchable and they're right to yeah. say they're right to take him off the table for a guy like Drew Holiday, who as great of a fit as he is, he could be a free agent in 2021 and the Nuggets may not have enough money to resign him. So yeah. it, it is a big question there and it's a big gamble for the Nuggets. So I, I want to get your thoughts on the absolute max you would give up to get Drew Holiday to this team, because I think there is... Like if if you're not going to give up Michael Porter Jr., then what are you willing to give up? I mean, I would be willing to give up Bol Bol, which that's and so this is the thing I think you talk about like Nuggets fans really maybe overvaluing the the young players on the team and like as, as fun as Bol Bol is and he could be um, and he certainly has an incredibly high ceiling as well. Like the guy has barely even played in the NBA, like barely even at all. Uh, he, he fell to the second round for a reason. It wasn't all because of health. The Nuggets gave him a two-way contract instead of a full contract for a reason. I'm, I'm not sure what that reason was, but whatever it was, I mean, they had a, they had an open roster spot throughout pretty much the entire season until they, uh, gave PJ Dozier. So they gave PJ Dozier that, that guaranteed deal instead of Bull Bull. Like there's obviously something there that the Nuggets still need to see themselves in order to get, go all in with this guy. So if, 
you know, if that's what it takes to get a Drew Holiday, I think you have to do it. And like, yes, it would really, really, really suck if Bull Bull pans out and is awesome. And then you've got, you know, the seven foot two small forward playing next to the six foot six, like 275 pound uh, power forward because those are two yeah. just the, the physical like mismatches those two guys could create would be um, insane. So, yeah, that would be that would be um awful to have to deal with but that you're talking about something that's maybe five years down the road right like that's what i feel like i don't feel like bull bull is going to be a star in this league i mean look how long it's taken michael porter jr just to start to show signs of stardom not actually have a consistent star performance and so if he does let's say best case scenario he comes out and he rocks it next year well that's still three years into his uh, career, right? So you still got two more years that you're basically waiting on Bull Bull just to get up to the level that Drew Holiday is at right now. And so, like, that's that, to me, like, it would suck because I, 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 like I said, I think he's a fun guy and I think he, he's really intriguing um, in terms of skill set and size. But if that's what it takes to push you over the edge to get the deal done, then I probably do it. So, like, my max, my absolute max is Gary Harris, Will Barton, and then either. For the first round pick, probably the Houston one uh, that they've got for this upcoming draft, or Bowl Bowl. Like you can, you can decide which one of those you think is more valuable or or whatever. But like that's about where I'm at. I would not give up the first and Bowl along with Barton and Harris, but I would give up one or the other. Yeah. So the the list of assets that the Nuggets have in a, in a potential trade, and I I I should probably rephrase that because they're not assets. These are people. These are important members of the Nuggets culture that they've built up over a long period of time. So players that the Nuggets would need to relinquish in order to acquire a player like Drew Holiday are as follows. Uh, Gary Harris, Will Barton, Monte Morris, PJ Dozier, Bull Bull, Keita Bates-Diop, Vlako Chanchar, and first-round picks. Because if they're taking off if they're taking off Michael Porter Jr. and Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic, that's the the re- the other guys are the only people that they have in t- in able to uh put together a trade because of the amount of free agents that the Nuggets have. Right. Uh Paul Millsap's a free agent, Mason Plumley, Tory Craig, um uh Troy Daniels, uh Noah Vonley, guys like that. They're they're that's they they just don't have enough pieces to make it work. So if you're asking me what the max is, Gary Harris, Will Barton Bull Bull and a first round pick. And I'd probably I'd I'd take back Darius Miller's non-guaranteed salary and and then you then you waive him after that in order to make the contracts work. I think if you're the Nuggets and you think that Drew Holiday is the missing piece for a championship run, then I don't think you get cute with it. Given the fact that if you trade for Drew Holiday and one of Harris or Barton will have to go to the bench anyway, um Given the fact that Porter and Grant are, are going to be out there, I think you, maybe you make the decision easier for yourself if you, if you trade both of them away. Uh, yeah. Given the fact that Monte Morris is there, given the fact that PJ Dozier is still in the background, you can always go use your mid-level exception. You have your biannual exception. Like there are ways to fill out the roster. You can also re-sign Tory Craig, Paul Millsap, Mason Plumley. You can fill out the roster in different ways. Um, but if the Pelicans are driving a hard bargain like that. Then I th- I think you can you can probably make it work. And I will say one more thing about Bull Bull. I keep hearing a lot of people when they discuss Drew Holiday trades, when they discuss what the best thing is for New Orleans, they keep talking about guys like Miles Turner, shooting bigs who can who can fit next to Zion Williamson long term. 
the one guy that they haven't really mentioned is Bull Bull, who I still think his best position is center. Uh, and he would be the ideal shooting center to play next to Zion Williamson, where they could probably switch some assignments on some days. Maybe Zion guards the more physical guy on a couple of occasions. But like a 40% three-point shooter in Bull Bull who can take his guy off the dribble along with Zion Williamson and Brandon Ingram next to them, like, like I would sign up for that future if I were the Pelicans. And it's yeah. a lottery ticket. It, it may not work, but you might as well try it. Yeah, it'd be fun to watch if nothing else, like for sure. And I mean, yeah, I always think about like, well, you could you could run a lineup um, if you if you got Bull Bull in there. Uh, you forget about Gary Harris, forget about Will Barton and those guys and what they might end up doing. You could run a lineup of Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, Zion Williamson, Bull Bull, and Jackson Hayes, and it's like, man, that's one through five. Like that is a really really strong group. Um, yeah, to build with. Like, and it, you're right, it might not pan out, but like. You gotta feel if if that's your group, uh, you gotta feel really good as a Pelicans fan about the future of your team, and, and you just gotta recognize you're you're kind of like the Nuggets were a few years ago when they stumbled on Nikola Jokic. Like, yeah, it's gonna take a little bit for these guys to mature and and reach that level um, that the Nuggets are getting to right now. But like, you got all the pieces there, and if they work out, like you're gonna have something really special. So, I think you could definitely sell the fan base on that. I just don't know. I mean, you know, it's the same thing, man. Like if you were going to take miles Turner or bull bull, like, well, I mean, again, uh, miles Turner has already proven it in the NBA. So you might, you might kind of be like, well, you know, we don't really know what this, what bull can actually become. Whereas we already know that miles Turner is going to be a, a very, very good player. So um, that's kind of the one thing that I think is the, the drawback with him. Oh yeah. It's, it's a wild card. It is a hail Mary type, uh, but you're also getting Gary Harris, who can who can replace a defensive presence of Drew Holiday in at least right. a couple of terms. Uh, you can get Will Barton, who he, he may not be a perfect offensive player, but he does a lot of the same things that Drew Holiday does and could do it at a reasonable level and can play next to a lot of those younger guys and, and be kind of a, a guiding force in a locker room like that. And I think that I, if, if I were to blend Gary Harris and Will Barton together, Drew Holiday would be very close to the player that, that comes out. Right, yep. Uh, and so it for the Nuggets perspective, like it, it's finding one guy who can do all of those things, uh, fitting into a rotation that, that also includes Denver's core four. Uh, you get Monte Morris, P.J. Dozier. You, you sign some other big wing with the MLE, like a Jake Crowder type. Uh, you find a backup center or a, another backup big man here or there, and you you just go from there. And I I I think that's a championship team, man. Yeah, I um I think the one thing you you worry about with that group is is scoring off the bench, but you're probably um going to always keep either Jokic, Porter, Murray, or Holiday, or a combination of those guys on the court throughout the game. Like I, I feel that because because of the versatility of Drew Holiday to play both. Uh, guard positions and the the versatility of Murray to play both guard positions and the versatility of Porter to play anywhere from the five to the three. Um, you've got you've got a lot of options there too with your rotation to make sure that you've got one of those guys at least on the floor at all times because that's the only thing. I mean, when you talk about Monty Morris and PJ Dozier, uh, a guy like a Jay Crowder, uh, you know, in in these other bench pieces that the Nuggets have. It's what you really lose is, by putting Michael Porter Jr. in the starting lineup and trading away Will Barton is you lose that bench scoring. So that's the one thing that I think would be concerned uh, or a concern for them to overcome. But it, it to me, it's not 
it's not that big of a deal because you've got four very good scorers in your starting lineup. I'm with you. I I I struggle to figure out why it's such a a thing that people struggle with uh, from a Nuggets perspective. And and I get the the we don't skip steps thing. I I get the I get the hesitation to finally skip steps now that you're in the Western that you got to the Western Conference Finals. But you can't just assume that you're at that level now and can get back there immediately. Like and the thing is, is that's just it. They made the Western Conference Finals. I don't think trading young players. For win now, guys like a Drew Holiday at that level, I don't think that's skipping steps. I think that is the next step for them. Like at this point, it's yeah, you build this roster. You know who your three guys are, your 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 big three, if you will, and you found so long as you can resign them, you found your like elite role player in Jeremy Grant. At this point, like the the the, the next step is is it doesn't you're you're building for now. So whatever you can do to build for now around that group. Like you do, and if that means you're trading away a bull bull, then like so be it. Like bull bull's a, a he's the perfect guy for like I said, like a New Orleans and like where they're at in their development. He's not necessarily the perfect guy for for where Denver's at right now. And if you can get a guy like a Drew Holiday in exchange for that, like I don't I don't view it as skipping steps at all. I think it's just the next step that you take. That's a great point. It really is. Um, anything else to say about Drew and and this rumor before we take another break? No, I think we've uh, yeah, it's we're in the off season. I think we've talked about Drew Holiday for about four pods in a row now. So <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, when we come back, we're gonna we're gonna break down the the next year's contenders, and this is all subject to change. But we're I think it's it's an interesting time to talk about where the league stands right now. We will be right back. Denver Stiff Show, Ryan Blackburn here. Final segment with Zach Mikosh, uh, Deputy Site Manager, Denver Stiffs, my guy. Um, I wanted to tackle this section uh, as it, I don't I don't want to spend too much time on something like this because all of this is subject to change, but the league is in such a weird place right now, and there are so many different teams that can justify having a chance at the championship, despite the fact that the Los Angeles Lakers look dominant all the way there. Uh so I'm curious to hear your thoughts about if you had to pick one team that was most likely to win a championship next season, who would it be right now? Yeah, it's um, it's probably the Lakers, to be honest. Like I, I think they, they LeBron's got does at least seems to have at least one more year in him, um, if not multiple more years. I'm not saying LeBron's starting to get washed. He certainly didn't look that way uh, this year round. I think there's there's no team in the West kind of has the answer for that forward duo um sure. LeBron and AD right now so I, it's hard to see a team upsetting them now again like you said subject to change i think every team in the west is going to be trying to figure out what they can add to their roster this offseason to uh, or at least all the the playoff teams to to address that issue with with the lakers but i would have to say right now uh with everything standing it's probably not probably it, for me it would be the lakers would be my first pick I think it's the easiest call of the entire thing. And and given where the Lakers are, given the the flexibility that they will have to add some more pieces in this offseason, uh they're going to be able to resign resign guys, they're going to be able to go after guys. They have the mid-level exception. They're 
like I, I do think that they have some ability and some wiggle room to be able to really do this thing and, and do it right in terms of trying to uh, hold their, hold their ground as, as the champions uh, try to defend their title a little bit. Like it, I don't see anybody of this next of this two through 10 group that I'm going to share with you. That that's my personal opinion, but like I don't see any, any team in this group that can seriously challenge for number one right now. Yeah, I would. I mean, well, I'm interested to see here you have at number two because I think there's one team, um, but it, but it's somewhat subjective on what they do in this off season. Yeah, and and you're gonna. I I know exactly what you're saying, and uh, I'm gonna share my my ten teams. Zach didn't do a list. He's gonna react and riff off of mine, and I think that's probably the best way to go about this content just because like getting getting two different lists is going to be a little bit more confusing but these are my top 10 teams that are most likely to win a championship in 2021 these aren't the best teams but they are the most likely teams to win a championship uh number one as i said it's the los angeles lakers it's the easiest call of the entire thing but number two for me is the golden state warriors Yep, I'm with you. That's what I would say. It's Golden State. And I think the thing that we people have to remember about Golden State, I'll just say this. Like, I'll be pretty shocked if they keep the pick at number two. Um, just because they're, the Golden State is a win now team. They're not a, uh, they're not a building for the future team. So they, with an asset like that, the number two overall pick in the draft, like you can, you can do a lot of things with that. And maybe they do. Maybe they do pick a rookie and, and, you know, are thinking more about what's, what comes after. Um, Steph and Clay and Draymond, but for me right now, like I, to me, it makes more sense for them, um, to go after a guy like a Miles Turner, right? Like you can, you can probably find a way to get Miles Turner if you're including the number two overall pick in the draft. So I'm, I'm curious to see what they do in the offseason. But the thing that people have to remember is like, uh, if there's been one team that uh, has been able to beat LeBron pretty soundly and easily, uh, over the past few years, it's been the Golden State Warriors. So they, they, so long as they're healthy, like they should be very much uh, a formidable opponent for the Lakers and, and anyone else. I mean, even though they don't have Kevin Durant anymore, that, those three guys, uh, on the Warriors won a championship without Durant. They won 73 games in a regular season without Durant. Like they are still going to be one of the absolute best teams in the NBA. There shouldn't be any doubt about it. I think the the idea of Miles Turner there is really interesting. Uh, it's not something that I seriously considered because I think they're trying to shoot for the moon when it comes to this number two pick. They may not be able to get anybody that's better than Miles Turner, and they may not have to because Miles Turner's a really good defensive center. He can space the floor a little bit, and I think pairing him with Draymond Green, if you put Draymond Green on LeBron and Miles Turner on Anthony Davis, like is there a better defensive duo in, in the NBA than those two on those two guys? I think that's, uh, you know, yeah, I think that's that's exactly what you're looking for. And kind of what I was saying, like, that's the type of deal that a team in the West is going to make um, directly thinking about how they're going to compete with the Lakers. I'm interested in it. I, th- I think it's fascinating. So whatever they do, like, I don't think they're a strong number two, uh, but I do think that they are, like, like they're the best case. I can see them making a deal like that, or I could see them, whatever they do with this number two pick, I think they can... They can really do something interesting. Uh, number three for me is the Miami Heat. Uh, I think they can make more additions to this roster, and I think they, they have a little bit of flexibility to be able to add guys. 
They're going to keep getting better. Uh, Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson, Bam Adebayo, guys like that. Like I think they're they're young enough that you can justify it. And Jimmy Butler's not going anywhere. Like he's he's still very very good. And they still have the ability that if if Giannis were to demand out, this is one of the places that I could see him going to. Yeah, um, that could. Um, I mean, that would obviously throw a huge wrinkle in it uh, if Giannis should get out. I would. To me, I don't know. Maybe I just don't. I I didn't. I don't buy Miami. I think as much as other people do. I think they kind of had a somewhat magical run in the bubble. I think the fact that the bubble was uh, such a shooter's gym. Uh, really, really played well into into their lineup, considering they have so many guys who are just just flat out shooters. Like I said, Hero. I mean, Robinson. Those are guys who are that's their number one skill, and they're you know, I mean, not that they're they're bad players, but they're they're those type of guys. They're shooting role players, um, and I think it really helped them. They they matched up really well against Milwaukee, so I think that's um, that gave them a good path to get get into the finals. Who did they have to play in the Eastern Conference Finals? Boston. Boston. Yeah, and so they, they ran into a Boston team who maybe isn't quite there just yet. Um, though they had Boston uh, in, uh, uh, you know, pretty soundly defeated. It wasn't much of a series there. So so or, let me ask you this, though. Like, if 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 not Miami, then who from the East? Milwaukee, I think, is is still your, um, your, your best choice there. I think, you know, like I said, I, I think it was a bad matchup for them with Miami. Uh, but had they... Not face the Heat. I'm pretty sure the Bucks are actually the team who ends up uh, in the you know or let's put it this way: if somebody else had been able to eliminate the Heat um, prior to Milwaukee seeing them, which I guess would be whoever Miami played in the first round was Indiana, and they didn't do anything against them. Um, but if no, that was the really in my eyes that was really the only team um, that could could have knocked Milwaukee off in the East, and and that just luck of the draw. That's who they got. But I would still put Milwaukee because they have they have arguably the best player in the NBA right now, and they've got an outstanding uh, supporting cast around him. So um, they would be would they be my number three? I don't know. There's the I think the Clippers probably deserve some consideration though they're falling apart a little bit here, and I think the Nuggets honestly deserve some consideration as as maybe the third best. Um, option. So Milwaukee certainly first team for me out of the East. Miami probably number two. Though I, I, I don't know. Again, I I just have, just have such trouble buying into it. Like I I can talk myself into Boston being better than Miami next year. Like there's um, there's a lot of moving parts over there in that East. So so I was with you on on most of that, but like I also see Miami as a team that isn't going to be comfortable resting on their laurels and is is going to continue to be aggressive to try to win this thing. Like it may not be Giannis, but but if it's not Giannis, they may try to continue to make some win now moves in order to really win a title while while they have this window open. Sure. And and my thing with that is that I don't know if I necessarily trust any other team to beat them in a series. Like I do trust Toronto to beat them in a series, not really. Like do you trust no, yes. Milwaukee to beat them in a series? Definitely not, you know, not with way, the way it went this time around, I think. Yeah, and that's a good point. I mean, because Miami also has a lot of assets. Um, again, not not to call them assets, but um, Miami has a lot of young prospects. You, know, you think of a guy like a Kendrick Nunn who really wasn't even that big of a um, yeah. uh, part of their run to the finals, but was had a great, you know, season. So, like, a guy like that, you know, or do you give up one of your, your Duncan Robinsons, your Tyler Heroes to bring in um, – you know, a star type guy to make, you know, or, you know, you think about like a, a guy like Bradley Beal, like that guy would um, definitely be a, a, a nice piece to add to them or Victor Oladipo or all these other guys who are kind of out there yep. right now. Miles Turner wouldn't make much sense for them, but um, there's a lot of, 
guys that Miami has that they can they can trade. And I don't I guess I don't know what Miami's pick situation is like. I feel like they haven't really gotten too crazy. Maybe they had to what was the sign in trade for uh Yeah, I think I think their twenty twenty one pick is was out of there. Uh but I think they have the rest of their picks, if I'm not mistaken. Like I, I don't think they're pick barren. If that's, if you know what I mean. Yep, I know exactly what you mean, and you gave me just enough time to look it up. They, um, yeah, the 2021 first round pick is the one that's going out, and then 2023 as well. But so they still have, yeah. they still have this year's, and uh, obviously 2022. So yeah, they're gonna be. They're gonna have some more picks now. The thing is that well, the interesting thing though is if they've traded, they traded their twenty twenty one and twenty twenty three. That actually kind of handicaps them somewhat in being able to trade. Um, a well, pick, they can't at least until after unless the draft. they yeah, unless they trade uh, after draft night, that they won't be able to trade another first until twenty twenty five. So right. that that is something to be coming. said for that. But I, I still don't see them as a team that's going to rest on their laurels. I think they're they're going to try to get back in the best way that they can whether that's re-signing the guys that got them there or if it's uh, adding to their roster through more trades. I, I, I don't know, but but they seem – and they can free up cap space too. Like depending on who's out there, depending on if they if they want to target a specific guy, like they could add to their team. Yeah, no, um, they um, they definitely have some flexibility there. So it is interesting. Yeah, I mean I can, I can see uh, – again, it's one of those teams like I, th- I feel like we got to see what they're going to do in the offseason. Um, and see how they add to this team because I think to me I think if you run it back with Miami you're you're probably not getting back to the finals that's just my my personal feeling um I'm not as big of a Jimmy Butler believer as some people out there I mean he did an awesome he did awesome this year there's there's no doubt in what he was able to accomplish down there in Orlando uh but it, it, I would be shocked to see them with the same group as they had this year get back to the finals again next year Okay, so Lakers 1, Warriors 2, Heat 3 for me. I have the Nuggets at 4, and it's because I trust their talent, and I trust, I've trust. i always said this, I trust their guys. And when you have Jokic and you have Murray, and going forward, if you have Porter and Grant on the floor, I think you're going to do a lot of damage to every single matchup. Um, I don't see a team that they, that they can't score against going forward. Yeah, I agree. I, I think four is uh, perfectly fine with them. You know, I, I think uh, you get into after to me after the top two, there's a lot of debate to happen in like the three through six. You got Miami, you got Milwaukee, you got Denver, you got the Clippers. Those four teams, I think, are kind of that next tier. Uh, and you might even throw Boston in there as well. So how do you you know, how do you where where you place them, I think, is, is somewhat of a matter of, of just kind of, you know, faith that you have in the team. But the Nuggets, I mean, they've got they've got a uh, internal guy who if they can just develop him and get him more minutes and get him consist to be a consistent scorer for them and, and you know, and obviously I'm talking about Porter Jr., like they've they've got somebody right there. They don't even have to make an addition to the roster to see improvement next year. They played this entire playoffs without Will Barton, one of their best players. So like there's there's lots of reasons to believe Denver can take that next leap um and and get to the finals without even having to make any significant changes to the roster. Now the question is what do you do about the Lakers? Because maybe it's not Dwight Howard, but the, the the thing about the Lakers is they can get any sort of bruiser athletic big in there to put next to Anthony Davis. That's going to give the Nuggets trouble. Uh, is currently constructed, particularly I think if your your forwards are Jeremy Grant and Michael Porter Jr. Because you're gun, then you're gonna you're gonna run into the same thing you ran into this year with Dwight Howard 
um, in, in that it's it's you'd prefer to have somebody, anybody, a body to throw at that guy, so Jokic doesn't really have to be so focused on on you know, or so Jokic can't get bullied so so much, um, if you will, by by a guy like that because. When you've got, if you've got, you know, this is one of the things I thought about. Like, heck, could the Nuggets trade for a guy like Miles Turner? Because, like, wouldn't that be awesome to put Miles Turner next to Nikola Jokic and be like, okay, Jokic is going to um, keep Anthony Davis off the boards instead of Dwight Howard? I think that that would have actually made things better. But that's that's the Nuggets' weakness in my eyes. It's not so much provided they can resign Jeremy Grant. If they don't resign Jeremy Grant, I think they're going to be. Uh, they could be looking at at regressing, but um, oh, yeah. provided they can get Jeremy Grant back, like I think the Nuggets' biggest issue to overcome is how do we deal with the teams who have the two athletic bigs that they're going to throw at Jokic? How do we how do we overcome that and make sure what happened to us against the Lakers doesn't? And that's something that, that maybe they don't readily figure out. But again, you luck of the draw. What if what if the Nuggets are ending up as the uh, you know uh, whatever seed in in the Warriors get the Lakers in the in the semis? And the Warriors knock off the Lakers, and then the Nuggets get the Warriors in, in the Western Conference Finals. Like I feel, you know, against Golden State, Denver I think has a is a pretty good shot um, at being able to beat that team. Particularly if they've got Jeremy Grant and and Gary Harris or or whoever or even a Drew Holiday to throw at you know Curry and Thompson. But what we know with Golden State is they they're going to run into the same issue with Denver that the Clippers ran into, which is you've got no answer for Jokic. So. Um, it could just be a matter of luck. Luck and internal improvement is all that Denver would really need uh, to get to the finals. So four to me, yeah, it, like I said, it's it's. I can see you arguing the Nuggets anywhere from three to six. So that that makes sense. Yeah, it's going to be fascinating to see what they do. We've we've talked all about it and we'll continue to talk about it. But to me, it they they've established a baseline, and I it's crazy that I don't. I think they're probably like right now. I think they're in the top three in terms of current talent. And like given the confidence that I have in Jokic and Murray and Porter and Grant, uh, I just don't see them as the most likely team to win a championship because they've never done it before and they don't have that pedigree. And there, there are a lot of factors that could, that could potentially prevent them from doing that. Um, but there it's a, it's a credit to them and it's a credit to what they've continued to build that they are this high. And that is that is insane to me that we are talking about them as the fourth best, the fourth most likely team to win a championship. Like that's nuts. Yeah, it's um, it's a good time to be a Nuggets fan for sure. Uh, number five, I have the Clippers. We don't have to spend too much time on them. Like I, maybe Ty Lue works out, maybe he reaches a new voice. They're probably not going to sit on their laurels either in terms of. Like it seems like their locker room's a little bit of a mess right now. So if right. they trade certain pieces, then maybe whatever pieces they trade, maybe that formula works. Yeah, and they might lose Montrez Harrell. In my opinion, they probably will lose Montrez Harrell because somebody's going to give him a stupid deal. Um, but you know, that's a guy that that they're they're have some danger because he's a free agent. Uh, there's yeah, obviously seems to be some friction. You know, you think about a guy like Lou Williams. It seems like was not too thrilled with the way uh, Kawhi Leonard approached the season. So is that a guy you keep around? Uh, he was very big for them, though. Like That was one of the biggest parts of, of the Clippers' success this year was the fact that they were able to bring two six-man-of-the-year candidates off their bench um, and just stay at you relentlessly for the entire 48 minutes. If, if they lose those two guys, 
it really sort of weakens their depth. And, uh, you know, as we saw uh, this year in the playoffs, somebody like a Paul George can maybe not uh, have some strong performances and that then, then Kawhi can't do it all by himself. So there's, there's some issues there. I'm with you on in, in terms of chemistry. Um, that probably that that you know probably led to a team falling or l- allowing someone to come back three games to one on them, and and they're gonna have to address that. So you know they took the first step. They brought in Ty Lue. Uh, I've never been a big Ty Lue believer myself personally. Yes, I understand he has a championship uh, ring, but you know a lot of uh, uh, well, we'll see. Not, not really we'll, a lot we'll of coaches see what have he, rings with. Well, because he had success with LeBron and he had success with Kyrie and guys like that and. I kind of see Kawhi and Paul George as kind of the same type of stars, uh, guys guys who probably need to be like uh, pampered a little bit and and told that they're right. And Ty Lue, if you talk about like his actual coaching style, he makes adjustments, and that's that's one of the things he's given credit for. And the the thing with Doc was that he was never able to adjust away from Montrez Harrell, and he was never able to really find a formula against the Nuggets that worked on a consistent basis defensively. Um, also, if I were Kawhi, I would be pretty upset with the way the Montrez Harrell handled the bubble with the way that Lou Williams handled the bubble and with the way that Patrick Beverly was flopping yeah, around everywhere. So like there, there, there are a lot of villains on this team. I, I heard that phrased on a podcast. I don't remember which one, but there are a lot of villains and not a lot of heroes on this Clippers team. And it's, it's not a fun team to think about. Yeah. I think that's a good way of putting it. A lot of villains, like there's just not a lot of. It doesn't. It, it it doesn't feel like a cohesive unit. It feels very much like what it was—a group of guys that got put together um, through through the off season. There was a bunch of roster turnover, and you essentially had you know a totally different group that you were now uh, building around, and and you still had some leftover pieces from your original uh, or the roster that you had before, but it's. It, the fit wasn't great and they never got a chance for injuries because of load management, whatever it was. They never got a, a chance to actually get build a lot of chemistry over the season with their, uh, with their starting lineup because they were never all in the lineup at the same time. So it's, um, it's something that I think can be ironed out. The talent is there. There's no doubt about that. I mean, Kawhi Leonard is one of the best players in the NBA. Paul George for as much uh, crap as we like to give him for, shooting a ball off the side of the backboard in game seven, like is obviously still a very, very talented player. Um, and they've got, they've still got some good guys. They won't get rid of everybody, uh, outside of those guys. They've still got some very, very quality guys and they've got good role players. I mean, a guy like Evita Zubats is, you know, he's a perfect role player for that type of team. So they, 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 the talent is certainly there. It's just a matter of can they, can they get their chemistry right and, and do it quick enough to where it doesn't get, derailed on them because i think right now they're very much in danger of this whole thing blowing up in their faces if they can't get these guys all to get along i'm with you um but notice that we've had four of the top five from the western conference it's it's going to be like that the west is just like i i have so much more confidence in the western teams than i do in the eastern teams despite the fact that there are a lot of credible eastern conference threats like i just don't trust any of the east teams to make the finals yeah, well, I mean, one of them's got to make the finals, but uh, yeah, I'm I'm hedging that it's going <laughs> to be Miami again. Finals. But I like like to win it. Like six is where I have the Milwaukee Bucks. I think they'll yeah. bounce back in some way, shape, or form. They're going to make a last ditch effort to keep Giannis, especially if he doesn't sign the supermax deal. 
Uh, this could change very much in this offseason depending on what they do and whether what Giannis decides to do. So if you were the Bucks and Giannis didn't re-sign his max extension, uh, first of all, would you trade him? Second of all, if the answer is no, what would you do to add to the roster? Yeah, well, I think obviously if if Giannis does not sign the extension, you gotta have the, you gotta have the discussion with him about you know where's his head at, what's he thinking, uh, because he might come back to he might come back to you like Carmelo did with Denver and be like, there's there's no way I'm resigning with you guys, like this is it, trade me. Um, and if that's the case, obviously you don't really have much of a choice, and you, you're gonna yeah. you gotta try and maximize uh, what you can get for him as much as possible. I think if it's if it's truly a matter of well, I want to see what you can do to build stuff around me, then like, yeah, I think, I think you do everything you possibly can to keep Giannis in the fold because that guy, that guy doesn't grow on trees, right? Like that he is a incredibly unique, um, incredibly talented player and, and has, I mean, what he's back to back MVP, right? So that's, um, it's really, really hard. And, and he won defensive player of the year too, didn't he? Yes, he did. Yeah, so I mean that's you. You can count the guys who won MVP and Defensive Player of the Year uh, in the same season on one hand. I'm pretty sure. I think there's like maybe been like three of them. I think it's MJ, Hakeem, and Giannis. Yeah, and that 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 sounds right. So I mean, yeah, MJ and Hakeem. I mean, those are pretty good Hall of Famers. Yeah, Hall of Famers with multiple rings. So they're um, those type of guys. You you do everything you can to keep. So now, what do they do? I mean, I don't. I probably don't watch enough Bucks basketball necessarily to understand like what 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 the the moves they need to make. But I mean, to me, it seems like okay. You probably need to, um, I don't know. Maybe you try and upgrade Eric Bledsoe, right, and and find a, yeah. a, a more of a, a true star point guard to put next to him. I think Chris Middleton is a perfect guy to play next uh, next to Giannis. Or maybe you, you you don't even try and upgrade a guy. You just figure out okay, how can we add. Um, Another start. How could we add a Bradley Beal? How could we add you know somebody of that of that caliber, a Victor Oladipo, all, all the guys we've been talking about, right? A Drew Holiday. Like how how could you add one of those guys to that roster without having to surrender um, Middleton or or even Bledsoe if you could pull it off? You know that that's what they have to do. More more than anything, if they if I'm building the Bucks and I'm trying to build around Giannis, I've got to figure out a way to add another star caliber player without giving up Chris Middleton as part of the deal. Yeah, I think you're right. I think they they need another creator on the perimeter that they can trust because I I Eric Bledsoe Eric Bledsoe is a shrinking wallflower right now. Like he uh he just like I don't trust him with a ten like don't don't get near me, dude. Don't don't get near my franchise in playoff basketball. Like that just it right. it doesn't feel good to be relying on him. Uh, and they they made a bad decision with Malcolm Brogdon. I think Bucks fans yeah. are are very sour about that, both from the. Uh, well, they, they're defending the, the organization's decision, but also they realize, like, hey, Brogdon is a better player than Eric Bledsoe, and they should not have done that. Um, I I would be curious what they would do for Victor Oladipo. I think that that makes a lot of sense, both from a offensive and defensive perspective. Uh, upgrading over a Wesley Matthews to go get Victor Oladipo, I think that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, but we're going to see, like, I, I, I just don't know. I don't really trust their supporting cast. You said earlier that you really like their supporting cast. I'm not sure I really do. I, yeah, I, you know, I, think I just that, looked at the roster and I'm not, now I'm kind of, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk that back a bit. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's not so great when I look at it. I mean, Pat Connaughton's a nice player. Uh, Dante DiVincenzo is, you know, a young guy who's who's shown some promise. 
Outside of that, though, I mean, I guess if you're a big George Hill booster, but eh, yeah, you're it's right. It's just a lot of guys. It's, yeah, it's exactly. a lot of it's, it's a lot, lot of old players guys that, too. And, and yeah, that that's a really big deal. Like they they are the oldest player. They're the oldest team in the league, and and that's not a really interesting sign for a team that with Giannis. And if you're Giannis, you're looking at the ages of the guys around you. You're like, oh, I don't know how sustainable this really is for when these guys are getting paid as much as they are. So I don't really trust Brooke Lopez as the uh, as the third Splash best player or fourth best player. Like I mean, he's fine, but like it it's I don't know. I I just have a lot of trouble with where they are as a team. Um, it feels very much like LeBron in the two thousands, right? Where you've got this yeah. one incredibly elite player, and yeah, you've got some good. You know, you got Brooke Lopez or you got Jonas Ilgauskas. Like you've got some nice guys next to him, a couple of guys, but like you don't have, I guess, a ton in terms of bona fide. Um, and Middleton's really a better player than than LeBron ever played with as a second banana. Let's let's be clear about that. Well, but Giannis is until, yeah, yeah, and at least in his first in his first run in Cleveland, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's that, let me make that stipulation clear. That is what I meant. Um, he's not yeah. Dwayne Wade or or Kyrie Irving or a guy like I mean, he might be better than Kyrie Irving. I don't know, but like, right. uh, it just feels like things are falling apart. And and I don't like it. I wish he stayed there, uh, but I I just don't see it as as the path. That's why they're so low, despite the fact that they were on pace for like seventy wins. Yeah, yeah, and it's um, I get it, I get it, and it's gonna be. I mean, you know, uh, Marvin Williams retired uh, again. Like I said, old. I mean, they're just old. Like it gets it's they they need to if they're gonna keep Giannis, they're gonna have to they're gonna have to reload. Um, with some youth and, and some, some quality players that, that they can exactly convince Giannis because if you're trying to convince Giannis, I guess with this roster um, that, Hey, we're still going to be able to compete five years from now. Like eh, there, there's no way. So you, you're going to have to uh, reload there a little bit, but you still have arguably the best player in the NBA. So that's got to count for something. Yeah. It maybe, maybe that's as simple as it is. Um, Okay, so we run through the top six again. Lakers, Warriors, Heat, Nuggets, Clippers, Bucks. Uh, running short on time here, so I want I want to get you through these really quickly. Uh, stop me if you want to talk on any of these teams. Uh, the Boston Celtics at seven. Yep, I'd agree with that. The Dallas Mavericks at eight. That's an interesting one, but I can I can see it. Okay. Brooklyn Nets at nine. Yeah, that's a that's a really interesting one. All right, give me the tenth one, and then I'll. And the Philadelphia 76ers at 10. So no Utah, which I think is an interesting choice there too. Um, Because I think Utah has found them that definitely have a bona fide star player in in Donovan Mitchell. And another team, it would be interesting to see how the chemistry goes over the offseason. Brooklyn is a tough one, right? Because we don't know how Kevin Durant is going to look. Um, And and Achilles injuries in particular in, in basketball are... I'm trying to think of a guy who ever came back from one and was anywhere close to the same. And I there I mean, there isn't there isn't a historical precedent for right. KD coming back and being elite. There's though most of the, the elite guys that I can think of who who had Achilles tears like that happened when the, at the back end of their career, right? Like Kobe, like that happened right at the end of his career. I'm thinking Chauncey Billups that happened yep. uh, right at the end of his career. I'm trying to think who else has gone through that injury but those are the two names that, that i thought of right off the top of my head that, that had that injury and were just that you knew like those guys were on the back end of their careers anyways and when that, that injury happened you're like all right it's done like they're 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 never gonna be back 
um, to anywhere close to the level that they, they were before. And that was very true. Both those guys were out of the league, I think, within the next year or so. Um, so that's the, that's the interesting thing about the Nets. But, man, if, if, if Kevin Durant did come back and was elite, I mean, Kyrie Irving, again, another team who they don't necessarily need to add a ton uh, or anything if they can just have a healthy Kyrie and Kevin Durant because – I mean, you got you got to think about. The, I I like a lot of of the guys um, that I that Brooklyn has. I mean, I think Karis LeVert is a vastly underrated player, one of the most underrated players um, in the NBA. I'm a big fan of Jared Allen. I thought it was stupid for the Nets to even bring on DeAndre Jordan, let alone make him the starter over Jared Allen. There's well, you know, you know why that is. Like you know, you know the reason why they're doing that. It's it's because of the star tandem that they right. that they added. Right, it's because yeah. of those guys, like that's what they want. Yeah, exactly, and and that's troubling, uh, I guess. If you're, if you're, it really is letting those guys kind of make those type of decisions. Um, you know, Spencer Dinwiddie is is a very solid, is is sort of like an elite role player. I mean, there's uh, there's a lot to like, I think, about that roster. But it all depends on Kevin Durant. I mean, that's, that's what it comes down to, is what kind of player are you going to be getting in Kevin Durant? Because if you're getting Kevin Durant of old, then I think, yeah, then I think that team vaults up into that 3-2-6 uh, sort of tier. Whereas without knowing that, then yeah, you, you've probably got them, right? Or you can even maybe make an argument they shouldn't even be in the top 10. Um, so interesting to see. I think Dallas was the other one that I, kind of, I was a little bit interested about, just because... They feel like they could be a lot like Milwaukee, right? Like they've got, they've definitely got the bona fide star player. They've definitely got a guy who, in my eyes, is, is, is a top five player or is very close to being a top five player in the NBA. Uh, outside of that, I mean, obviously, Chris Tapps Porzingis can be a very, um, effective player as well and has, has shown some really, um, had some really bright moments there in Dallas. But otherwise, there's not, in my eyes, a ton to love about that Mavericks roster. Um, yeah, I just think that they're going to be aggressive. I think that they're going to try to go after one of these uh, 2021 star free agents. And they're going to do it in this offseason and try to trade for them on an expiring deal. Like, I see Victor Oladipo in there, and I see I see that as a really good fit for them. Um, he, he takes a backseat to Luka. Uh, doesn't have to carry all of the scoring load because Kristaps Porzingis is also there. Like I, I think that makes a lot of sense. I think uh, Drew Holiday could make sense there as well. Not sure what they would give up in order to make that work, but I, I, I see them as a, as a team with aggressive management who is going to do everything that they can to be as good as they can. Yeah, I mean, of course. I mean, whenever Mark Cuban is is the owner, you know that that team's gonna gonna be certainly trying to make improvements uh, wherever they can, and particularly since they've got the guy in Luka, you know, to, to build around him. The, the question is, yeah, how do they come up with a trade package for one of these guys? Because they don't have a – again, they, there's not a ton. I mean, you you probably have Tim Hardaway Jr. in that deal just because of his contract is, is going to be needed. They don't have a ton of guys um, that have – bigger deals on their roster that you that he's probably in there but there's not like we were talking about before you know when you're when you're trading for a star teams want to get a young prospect that they can sell their fans on as the future star of the franchise i don't think there's anybody on on um dallas outside of obviously Doncic and, and porzingis that you can really sell to a fan base like that so 
another team that, like, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how aggressive they get, but can they even get aggressive enough to beat another team's deal? I think that's a valid question with them. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. I'm, I'm, I'm more fascinated about what they could do rather than, like, what they are necessarily now. Not to mention, I, I just, I trust Lucas' talent in order to be one of the best players in the NBA. And when you have a guy like that, things tend to just fall into place. And I think he's he's a little bit less game plan proof than a Giannis is right now because of the way he can handle the ball and shoot. Yeah, um, for sure. But we'll see. And I, I didn't include Toronto, Houston, Portland, Indiana, Utah, any of those teams that are kind of like they're on the outside looking in right now, in my opinion, as I, I just I don't see the pathway because I don't see the elite Helio. Like, I, I don't see the elite star except for the Houston Rockets, in which case, like I I everything's falling apart there, dude. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think we, as, as elite of a star as James Harden is, it's, it's very clear. The proof is very much in the pudding that like, he's not going to be able to do it by himself. Like that's, that's just the way it is. And whether it's been Russell Westbrook or Chris Paul, or um, I can't even remember who's, who's basically his second star before they got uh, Chris Paul. Like there's not, there's not a ton there to make you feel like that suddenly this year is going to be the year that, that James Harden breaks through and wins a championship. You know, like I said, Utah, I think, is another team who, who has, a, has a bona fide um, superstar on their team as well. But there are chemistry issues, right? Like like we were saying, that that could certainly um, rear its head. And then and then also with Utah, I think their, their depth uh, really and their hurts age. them. Yeah, and they're, and they're also old, right? Like you think, I mean... Uh, sure, Donovan's young, and Rudy Gobert is not not out of his prime or anything. But outside of that, yeah, every I mean, Mike Connolly is old. Boyan Bogdanovich is 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 older. Um, and Ingles, I mean, yeah, Joe Ingles is is getting as old as dirt. Like there's, uh, he looks like it too. No, no offense to Mr. Ingles, but um, that <laughs> that that hairline is not getting any get not moving nice. forward anymore. <laughs> yeah, I, I think. I, what this what this exercise really shares with me personally is that I think there's a lot of teams that can talk themselves into a title, but if when you're talking about who which teams that can actually win it, I'm thinking it's the Lakers, it's the Warriors, it's the Heat, it's the Nuggets, it's the Clippers, it's the Bucks, and maybe the Celtics. Yep, yep, I'm I'm totally with you right there. I think those those top seven. Or sort of it. Philadelphia is an interesting one because they, you know, they they weren't that far off two years ago um, from getting to the finals, and then this year they just fell apart uh, in the first round. And they're they're you know fired their coach. Um, have they 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 hired a coach? Right? Is it D'Antoni? It's Doc. Doc. Oh, that's right. They hired Doc. Uh, D'Antoni hasn't been hired, has he? No, he is not. Let's Who get him to be probably, the offensive assistant here. Yeah, so <laughs> it means he's probably not getting a deal, or he just takes the year off. Um, but uh, yeah, so they you know they got Doc in there now. That there's a obviously an, an elite coach, but is is Doc going to be able to figure out how to make Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid work? Um, I don't think so, and that's know. that's yeah. why they're this low. Even despite the fact that they have a lot of talent, like that talent level hasn't changed. I don't think. But like, do you trust it? Like, do you trust it at all? No, I don't because I just I, I feel like they they've got to make a choice between those two guys and. Um, and that what they do it, it, to get a, a decent return on whichever one they don't choose um, is puts everything kind of in flux for them. 
Well, this was fun, man. This was good. I, I, I'm intrigued by what this offseason is going to bring and how this list may change. Maybe we'll revisit this at some point when when everything kind of shakes out and we see what, what really changed in, in terms of our opinions about these teams. Uh, but I had a good time, man. And we can talk about the ball arena and, and whether the Nuggets are going to trade for Lonzo Ball in order to really uh, uh, kind of christen ball, that ball nickname. Ball Ball. Yeah, they might trade Bull Bull for Ball Ball. Like, I, <laughs> I, I, I do think that, that, that there's, it's not out of the woods. So it should be, should be really interesting to, to see, man. But, hey, thanks for hopping on with me. Hey, absolutely. Uh, just one closing thought. Are we sure it was Ball Corporation and not Big Baller Brand that actually got the name right? <laughs> Ooh, I, I think that's uh, that's uh, we we gotta we gotta really revisit that for sure. Um, I'm, I'm I'm all in on Lonzo as the the starting shooting guard next year. This should be should be interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of the Denver Sift Show. He is Zach Mikosh at Zach Mikosh on Twitter. Again, thank you so much for hopping on with me, Zach. We are we're going to have uh, I don't I don't know what we're going to do. I think we're I think we're going to start up some draft coverage uh, next week on the st- on the site. So keep an Speak eye out for that. Time. Should be should be a lot of fun. The Nuggets have the twenty second pick in the NBA draft, and we're going to get our draft coverage rolling. If you're if you're listening at the end of this, thank you very much for tuning in. You got that little teaser. Uh, going to have a lot of fun with the rest of the offseason, but until then, we will talk to you guys next week. Bye.